Hi, this is Josh, and on this episode of K-12 Tech Talk, we have listener feedback already. We read an email, and we talk about some of the things that Corey from Oklahoma wanted us to talk about. We talk about password security and strength and length, and we talk about device explosions on wireless networks in school districts and in school buildings. Have a listen. Hey, what's up? This is K-12 Tech Talk with Chris and Josh. I'm Josh. Just kidding. No, you're I'm not. Chris. You're Chris. I'm Josh. <laughs> I know it's hey, Sunday afternoon, Chris, but come on. You know, I was thinking the last episode, I was up late the night before with my daughter, Tinley, and then you were texting me because I didn't show up to the podcast on time. I was really hoping I was going to be different this time, but it sounds like I'm going to be a lot the same. Well, you, you sound better. We'll put it that way. I am using a different microphone. We got some feedback from people that they didn't like the way I sounded. I'm trying to improve my voice. You're, you're seeing a vocal coach too, right? Yeah, you. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You've given me some tips. Yeah. All right. So what do you want to talk about this week? So, uh, you know, we had that email, like we actually received oh, yeah. one email from a listener. Which is so awesome. Our first, yeah, our first episode, and we're already getting content feedback. Um, this is from Corey, and I take it from his email that he is a tech guy at a school district in Oklahoma. Um, okay. And he's a tech guy from Oklahoma, and he was just giving us feedback. You know, last episode, we had a conversation about smart devices and how um, all of ours are are aging and we need to replace them. And I I think you're kind of in the same boat. Uh, Corey, I think he's in the same boat, but he is, he made the comment that his teachers aren't as invested in smart notebook as, as our teachers are, which is kind of, I guess, good for him. And he's looking at an IPVO product to replace, um, to, to, to replace, I guess, smart. Um, We, are you using any IPVO, Chris? I know we have before, and I was trying to think about what I've been buying. Uh, uh, We buy some document cameras, and I'm pretty sure IPVO, or it's another brand. I've not done anything with IPVO for, like, projectors or interactive displays, though. No, we haven't either. We're we're in the same boat. We're using um, IPVO's document cameras. I think, man, they're they're crazy cheap. I've been able to find them on Amazon for about a hundred bucks. and they work great. The teachers that have them in our in our district absolutely love them. Um, so that's that's something I don't know that we would ever replace anything with it, but it's definitely an item that we are augmenting or adding to our setup for teachers that that have a need to show a document or actually uh, our it's not called home ec anymore. Facts family and consumer science teacher. Um, likes to use it when she's mixing, you know, mixing stuff in a mixing bowl. So it, it's definitely got its use. Oh, cool. Um, I, and then, I'll, go ahead. I was thinking last time too, we talked a lot about smart boards uh, and interactive uh, projectors. Like I was talking about, we use Epson stuff, which is Epson Brightlink stuff. Uh, but yeah. we, we didn't really talk about, I mean, a lot of schools, uh, I know one of my neighboring schools uh, they're ditch, ditching interactive altogether and just going with legit TV mounted to a wall. Have you guys done any of that? Yeah, we've done that in probably, I don't know, seven or 10 locations so far. 
Um, we've, we've hung a, I say big, and at the time we considered them to be big, 65 inch dumb TV on the wall. And then we put a, um, oh, now I'm gonna completely blank on the name of the product. It's a smart device, HDMI, um, you can cast to it. It's not a Chromecast or anything like that, but it's a similar, a similar thought. Yep. Um, but it's got a little bit of security built into it. And uh, it, it works okay. Where it struggles is when somebody tries to show a video and it, it can lag a little bit. Um, so it, it's, it's worked okay. Well, I, I will, I'll call it okay. It's not great. Some of the teachers that have it really don't care for it. Um, so I don't know if we're going to, I can almost say for certainty, we're not going to move forward with that. But again, it's not to say it doesn't have its place in an environment, you know? Yeah, we've only put a couple in, you know, just TVs and some conference rooms. But that just kind of makes, makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that makes total sense. You can have your HDMI cable and plug in and, and do your presentation for a, you know, a traveling salesperson or, you know, counselor that comes in, whatever. That, that makes a lot of sense. You said uh, 65 inch, not, not that big. I just bought a 65 inch. We're getting, we're building a house and that's yeah. going to be for our living room. And my, my wife thinks that's way too big. Oh, I thought you were going to, that's, that's the appropriate size for the bedroom. I like to hear that from you, Josh. Um, no, in a classroom <laughs> setting, we, um, we, we did some size comparison for the new interactive screens from smart notebook or from smart technologies and compared them against our existing stuff. Um, a 65 inch screen, when you compare it to an existing, I think our model is the SB80 smart yeah. board. Um, it is teeny tiny. And I think if we were to put that in a number of classrooms, we would hear complaints that kids would have a hard time seeing it from the back of the room. Yeah, so, I agree. Um, we're looking at we're looking at the 75 and 86 inch boards, which are crazy ridiculous expensive. Um, but I mean, it's just it's the nature of the beast. It is what it is, and uh, we're we're trying to find the best the best path forward, I guess. Yeah, I think we are going to at least for the foreseeable future stick with the Epson Brightlink uh, at the secondary level, and then oh, so so the interactive projector itself. Yes. And, and, and then we, you know, you can put smart licensing. Oh, yeah. If you, if, you, if, if, if you buy it, you can, you can put that with those Epson bright links. Yeah. So we've had some teachers ask for that. So I think we're going to keep doing that. And then at the elementary level, I think we're going to stick with smart boards for right now. Yeah. We, um, we've got 18 of those Epson bright link interactive projectors. I think it's the 565 or 595 WI. Yep. Um, they work. Again, I don't know if, if our teachers are picky or just like what they like. Um, it, they don't really enjoy those either. I'm going to sound like they don't like anything, but they, they really don't enjoy those devices much either. And I think it has to do with the sensitivity of the laser, which is what picks up uh, the touch. Um, it, it just has some idiosyncrasies that some of the teachers have a hard time getting used to. Those have been in those rooms four years now. Um, and we, we still get kind of complaints out of the teachers in those rooms. So I don't know. I, and that's why I'm so afraid to, to say, 
you know, we're going to spend, we're going to, we're going to go out and replace every room with this one product, whatever it is, whatever that product is, because if it's a miserable experience, it, it's going to be, it's yes. going to be really bad. So that's kind of why I want to dip our toes into it to begin with and just see and make sure these interactive displays are going to work the way they are described they work. That's how I am with, with pulling interactive out and just putting in TVs because yeah, I know too, that you, like I know that we do have uh, several or many teachers that don't really ever interact with yeah. whatever they have where right. TVs would just make sense. However, but, okay. yeah. Yeah. But it, let's, let's say that teacher leaves five years from now and you get a, you hire a brand new teacher out of college that wants to use interactive, you know, you're stuck then. Right. Right. That's, that's kind of the way we're looking at that. I like it. Um, so Corey also had another, uh, comment and a follow-up email. I asked him if he, if there was anything in particular that he wanted us to talk about. And he came back with, uh, Wi-Fi, the subject of Wi-Fi and how the explosion of devices affects Wi-Fi. Apparently, um, he says in his emails, allowing mobile devices, Chromebooks, iPads, phones, etc., has tripled the number of devices on his system in two years. And he was curious how we handle it and what issues we might see down the road. Um, do you guys want to talk about your environment, Chris? Yeah, so we do, like right now, we do three SSIDs, uh, one for uh, school-owned devices, you know, so our, our Windows desktops have a wireless card in them, those connect there, our student Chromebooks connect there, our, you know, all of our laptops connect to that, of course. Anything that's school-owned goes to that, that particular one. Then we have a second one uh, that's for students and staff, uh, personal devices. So a, a, a student can bring in their personal Chromebook, or we have some kids that bring in MacBooks. Uh, you know, mostly we have kids using their cell phones, uh, and then staff can bring in their own stuff too. Uh, and then we have a third one that's for guests uh, that's pretty open, uh, the, or that is open. I mean, we only have a passphrase on it. Uh, so that, that's what we have in place right now. So, okay, let me, let me pick your brain. Uh, <clears throat> how come you have a separate SSID for, let's, let's call it BYOD, and a separate S SSID for guests? So, BYOD, they can connect, and when they log into it, they get their same content filtering rule set. Oh, uh, gotcha. Okay. As 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 if they're on a school-owned device. The guest one is just pretty basic. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that 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 you can't get to. Okay. Um. And and no one we are going to mention here in the next few minutes is a sponsor. But if they would love to sponsor this show, we'd love to have them. Who do you have for for wireless gear? Who are who are you using? Uh, we do Aruba stuff. Okay. And your content filter is who? Lightspeed. Okay. So Lightspeed is able to SSO somehow either I guess with Active Directory or with uh, Google. Yeah. Google Apps. Okay. Wow. Um, I don't, I, this is totally non sequitur and off, off, off subject, but I've got a TV on in the room I'm in right now, and this Kansas City comeback is unbelievable. Uh, so, um, I didn't know tech guys like sports. Yeah, I love, well, I can't say I love sports. I don't really care for baseball, but I absolutely love <laughs> hockey. Uh, so, I'll talk about our environment real quick. Um, in most buildings, well, I should say in all buildings, we have a minimum 
of two SSIDs. We have an SSID for our Chromebooks um, that has got a like 100 character passphrase on it and only three people in the district know it. It's, it's me and my two employees. Um, and then we have a SSID that um, our district devices and if, if a faculty member wants to bring in a phone, they can. Um, that SSID authenticates via .1x uh, radius authentication with our Active Directory. And if it sees that it's a, a computer, a laptop that is joined to Active Directory and you're logging in with your Active Directory credentials, it will, it will put you on what I call our production network, which has um, a few more rights on the network. If you log in with your phone, let's say, that's not in our Active Directory setup, um, but you log in with your Active Directory credentials, you get thrown into the guest profile. So you have a very restrictive uh, view of the network. You can't, you can't really touch anything else. Uh, you have a very restricted uh, internet access as well. Um, Chris, out of curiosity, oh, uh, we, use, we use Aruba. Um, I actually, we just upgraded three of our buildings to brand new Aruba 515s, and I'm managing those through cloud, Aruba, okay. or no, Aruba Central, yep. which I really enjoy comparing to um, the instant interface. I can see everything in one place. It's almost like having a controller, but still each instant cluster is managed separately. I have each one of my buildings as a separate instant cluster. Um, cool. Are you, Chris, are you Aruba controller? Or, um, yeah. Are you? Yeah, we, okay. We, we have one controller and then we're actually soon in the next couple of months, we'll have a, like a secondary, like a, a failover controller as well. Oh, wow. Cool. Okay. What, what model APs are, how old are they? Uh, we have some 105s and then like the whatever 205s or 215s or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think those are the two. Maybe we have a couple of the 300 series as well. So you have your controller based and I'm Aruba central based. Um, I'm, I'm very happy with Aruba Central. It's the only, the only thing that kind of gave me a little bit of a hesitation was that it's a five-year, we, we did with E-Rate a five-year upfront uh, agreement with it. Um, after that five years, I can, I can re-up. I can still use it if I don't re-up. It's not like, uh, is it Meraki, I guess, that if you don't pay, you lose you lose the functionality of your hardware. That would just infuriate me to no end if that happened. Right, I've heard that. Um, so that covers Corey's email and feedback, which we greatly appreciate. If, if you're listening and you want to give us some feedback or shoot us an email and say, hey, how do you guys handle, um, you know, XYZ? Shoot us an email at k12techtalk at gmail.com. Chris, do you want to talk about the number of devices? That was his other comment. Um, have you guys seen a device explosion with allowing kids to bring in BYOD? For sure. Probably my best example uh, at the high school, you know, we still have some labs uh, for like uh, marketing and, and, you know, graphic arts, that kind of stuff. So yeah. in those labs, those are wireless desktop computers. That's just what we went for. Uh, but you can walk in there and the kid will have their Chromebook that's assigned to them out. Yeah. Uh, and then they'll, you know, they'll also have their cell phone going. So like, you know, in that room, there may be 20 kids, but that might be, you know, 40 to 60 devices. And, and yeah. you've been able to walk by a room or, or, you know, pull a report and see that, you know, that that's, that's real. Yeah. Um, 
that we aren't seeing anything near that much. The only building that we allow kids to bring in devices is in our high school. Um, and at any given point, I, you can see anywhere from a, a couple, let's just say a couple hundred devices connected to that guest network. And I think part of that is that that network is so restrictive with filters and ACLs that they can't do much. Um, so I think that's what kind of keeps kids off of that network for just, you know, convenience purpose. But we yep. do have a couple hundred devices every day on there. You know, um, we, uh, we banter in our tech office about it, me and uh, 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 the network administrator, Mike, because we, you know, we have like a big field house, you know, that they, you know, we have basketball games and, and the community's there and the kids are there. And we want them, you know, we have this Wi-Fi that's, a, that's I mean, why not use it? You know, right. we have, we have a, a football field that we have, you know, great Wi-Fi out there. So, like, we would like for, you know, our patrons and our community and the students and the parents to use it. Uh, but then, you know, what do they need it for? Well, they don't necessarily need it. We just want to, you know, give back to them. Right. Right. Uh, so then it kind of goes back and forth. And, and then actually this school year we've dealt with, uh, we've had middle school kids and high school kids. Uh, we've realized that like on their phones, you know, they can download a VPN or whatever on their phone. Oh. They're trying to use that when they're on our, you know, bringer on device network. Right. Yes. Network. Well, you know, we can't have that. Right. So then that questions the whole bit, you know, where you're trying to be, you know, the whole thing where you're trying to do a good thing and then someone's abusing it. Right. Yeah, we've, um, we haven't had, I mean, I, that's possible. It's extremely possible that it could happen. Our, our uh, firewall, I think, does a decent job of picking up those, those VPN, software-based VPNs that would be on clients and, and right. attempts to block them, but that's not to say that it's blocking everything and because that i know you i know that's what you we've know had that. to do is up the game on the, which we have a great firewall it's a palo alto firewall uh yeah we've we've increased things on that we're paid more attention to that but just the even the sheer fact that we have and and i don't even think for the most part you know a lot of times kids don't even realize that what they're doing can be seen as malicious or that it is wrong oh sure yeah they're just using this thing. Oh, why does the tech department make it where I can't watch the YouTube video I want? But hey, right. when, I, when I use this VPN thing, they don't even know what that is. They right. just, if they download it, they can watch their music videos more. Well, and that gets into, and, and I'm sure this could be a whole episode, what I'm about to say. Um, that I lump that into the same activity as a faculty member uh, using a website that isn't FERPA or COPA compliant. Um, right. it's, it's not necessarily that they're going out of their way to do something that they shouldn't. It most times than not, it's that they don't, they don't really know that there are compliance issues and, and that they need to comply with certain things. Um, very rarely have I seen it be a, a malicious thing. Right. And I, I, you haven't been DDoSed yet, have you? I have not. Just you. Just you, buddy. Yeah. Um, I, we've been DDoSed, I think twice. I, I know once for sure. Uh, the second time was a awful convenient time for it to happen. It wasn't as drug out and this could be a whole other episode too. Um, or we could talk about it later if you want. Um, yeah, so, you know, that's, that, that really is the only actually 
actual malicious event, I think, that I've seen where a kid has gone out and said, I'm going to do X, and it's something bad. Right. Um, so I guess we could say we were, we're lucky we've only seen it twice, you know. I think K-12 is, I mean, and I know it's changed probably in the last year, but I think K-12, I mean, in Missouri, in the United States, I think we've, we've been pretty lucky in general. You know, the, um, yeah. the, the, the bad guys haven't been going after K-12. They are now. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of schools, we don't have, we don't have all the, the, the good stuff, the good security stuff to try to stop those things. Yeah, and there's definitely been an uptick in that. And, and um, you know, at the beginning of the year or in October, when you, you and I were both at, our, at the state conference here in Missouri that uh, our state consortium puts on, and uh, we had heard of, what was it, three or four schools that, that were attacked ransomware yep. by our, from the start of the school year to October. Um, I don't know if that number has increased. I, I haven't heard of any Missouri schools specifically recently in the last few months, but it is a real threat. Um, Chris, and you know what, this may be a good time if we're going to get into that security type discussion. Do you want to talk about our sponsor real quick? Who's that? Midwest Tech Talk, remember? Okay, so yeah, Midwest Tech Talk, which is coming up in July. You can check out MidwestTechTalk.com. Uh, uh, there's just rough information on there right now on what that event's going to look like, hotel information. Uh, pretty soon, the schedule I know is going to be posted there. Uh, and then pretty soon after that, the keynote information should be posted there as well. So Midwest Tech Talk, check it out, MidwestTechTalk.com. And uh, if we have any other sponsor, uh, potential sponsors listening, shoot an email at K12TechTalk and uh, we'll talk about it and see if we can get you on the sponsor on the show. So one of the other things that you wanted to talk about was security. And I know um, you had a few items lined out here to discuss some of the stuff that we talked about at that regional, at that regional meeting. But I think this, this also is worth mentioning uh, about ransomware and attacks like that happening in schools um i think it goes without saying that it's they're an easy target now because the bad guys have figured out like you said that we don't have all the fancy uh things to keep that stuff from happening so it's it's become an easy target um i know you do some stuff do you want to you want to talk about what you do with your your staff every year to kind of keep them in that that secure mindset Sure. So for years, uh, and even at, at, at the previous school district I was at, uh, we do a thing. We call it November Technology Security Awareness Month. I know the national one is in October, uh, October with uh, uh, Desi October cycle and stuff. I can never really focus on it in October. So I just decided November was going to be the month uh, for me. Uh, and we just do weeks worth of activities with our staff. So like we'll do like a password security week uh, where we encourage users to change their passwords for sure that week. Uh, we give password tips that week. Uh, we typically go around and like check uh, for computers to be locked when nobody's in the room. We give them a candy bar uh, if they are locked or a sad note if they're not locked. Uh, and then we'll do like a week on email security and we'll do like a phishing email. Uh, we'll do a week on internet safety where we say, you know, if you're a teacher, if you can talk to your kids about internet safety, uh, you know, you'll be entered for a prize, uh, uh, that kind of thing. And actually, uh, for the last two years, uh, we have a district newsletter 
you know, that curriculum talks on there and the nurses and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. The tech department does that too. So we do a monthly uh, security little bit uh, in that newsletter as well. Yeah, so it's interesting you mentioned that. We, um, we've had that, ours goes out quarterly, I guess, from our district. Um, and just this year, I was asked to start putting a column in there um, in, in ours. So this, I guess this week, my second column will come out. And, and um, actually, this week, it's about password security and using pa online password managers like LastPass, 1Password, um, cool. and using passphrases and different, different passwords for every website stuff like that. We've, um, I've kind of been beating that drum with our faculty for a while about, you know, it, it is okay to use a password manager as long as your key password is strong. And, and realistically, it, it makes it much easier if you're going to, if you're going to subscribe to that mindset of having a different password for every website, a password manager is almost required because I, I know I can't remember 1500 different passwords, um, especially strong passwords. So, um, we do, we do fishing as well. We're going to start bringing in, um, PD. We're going to start bringing in outside experts. I've been chatting with the, um, Department of Homeland Security person who is assigned to Missouri and she, um, is kind of like a cyber threat person. So, uh, I'm going to, I've been talking to her about bringing her in for a PD day just for an hour or so to give, give an overview of what the real threats and how, how faculty can can better secure data, student data, and their own data, personally and professionally, to uh, prevent the bad guys from from getting access to things. That's awesome. So, and and I think that's a big part of it. You know, it's very rarely will you run across someone or, or, or a person that is going out of their way to circumvent stuff that you know security measures that are put in place. Um, most of it, if you have a problem, most of it is is realistically a lack of training or a lack of knowledge in the subject area. Um, I'm sure you haven't, you haven't run into any malicious, outwardly malicious teachers, have you? I mean, for sure, no. I mean, right? We don't. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, there's always those stories, right? Um, so, again, not a sponsor of the show and not giving us any money. Chris, I know you and I both use, I think, the same product for fishing. You use Cofence FishMe? No, I do not. Oh, I thought you did. No, I use, uh, did you get that from Warnet? Yeah. I use uh, PyProtect, and that's from somethingcool.com. Oh, that's right. And they're not a sponsor either, but they could be. Um, that I forgot. I, you, you went with them like, what, three or four years ago with that, didn't you? You were a pretty early adopter. Yeah, they're ones that do, the, the Copen stuff looks awesome. The PyProtect one, uh, it lets you do like your, like your technology user agreement, it converts oh. it to like an online thing. Yeah. So like at the start of the year, we make the teachers log into this PyProtect thing and they have to pass a security quiz and they have to fill out their form online. And then it also does the phishing stuff. That's the only okay. major difference I think from, from what you're using. Yeah. We use uh cofence fish me, um, it, it works. It, it does what it needs to do. I think it could be a little bit more robust. Um, the, like you mentioned, our state consortium, Mornet, has negotiated a killer price with Cofence. I mean, it's, it's like stupid cheap. 
and that's what the big reason why we went with it. It unfortunately does lack some of the really cool features that um, no before has. I know no before I've got a couple cohorts up here where I am that use no before and some of the stuff that they're able to do is pretty darn cool when they send out a phishing email. Like when I send, when I think when you send one out, Chris, and when I send one out, it's the same email that goes to everybody. So, um, yes. you know, one teacher could tell their neighbors, Hey, don't click on this email. It's, it's phishing there. The, the IT jerks are phishing us again. Um, where no before, I think Jay says that he can, he can pick a, I guess, subject or uh, theme and then it will send out a number of different emails to the target so that it's not, it's not one email going out to all of the people, which is kind of a cool, I mean, yeah, it, that's awesome. actually a pretty neat way to do it. Um, and I think no before's after the fact training is a little bit better. They've got some, I think, better produced videos than CoFence. But with that said, I think we're paying like $2 a, an email account to do this. Uh, with CoFence. So it's, it's crazy cheap. It, it does what it needs to do. Um, we, we've, we've had some really good, uh, nobody clicks on the link emails, but we've also had some pretty horrific failures where like almost 40% of my staff clicks on an email. That's wah, wah, wah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I will say that I think I, we've got our, our staff and more of a mindset of, thinking before clicking on things. Have you seen that, that result? Yeah. And you know, even going back to that newsletter, I, I mean, I know that teachers have a lot going on. So do I think that every teacher reads my newsletter? No. Do right. I assume that most do know, but I, my, my hope is that by doing the phishing and even if they didn't, I mean, maybe they never checked their email. So, I mean, they're not going to get fished cause they don't check their email. Well, Right. But if, if, if we can go through all that and every month we gave an effort to inform, I mean, I just hope that it does something to make a person second guess, you know, that fishy email that they do get one day. That's like, you know, the actual scary email that we warned them about. I mean, right. that's the hope it, anyway. And it, exactly. And, I, and that's our hope as well is that, you know, if this prevents one person from clicking on that bad email, then it's done its job. It's worth the money that we're spending on it by far, um, because recovery from from an attack, uh, you know, be it a ransomware attack or Emotet or anything like that, takes weeks and hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not close to a million dollars. And we've got a, a cohort to the north in a major metropolitan area that uh, actually several that were hit with Emotet in in the span of a week. And you talk about the result being rebuilding every computer in your infrastructure over Thanksgiving break right. um, was the outcome. That's, that's not something that, that I want to live through, but, that, but that, and it, go ahead. That's where I've thought go. I mean, even, even going back to the candy bar thing where we give out candy bars for passwords or whatever, like right. if, if, can, if, if the effort we spent on passing out candy bars during password security week, if that can make uh, a teacher or a secretary or whoever just a little more comfortable with me to send me an email, like before they click a link, you know, asking me, hey, does this look right to you? You know, whatever. If that can help that, like, I'm all in. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'll do it. 
No, I, I agree. I mean, I know you wouldn't have a problem with this, but if it involved making up a, a song and singing a song, you know, it, it's, <laughs> we got to reach them somehow. I know you're the, right. you're the king of, of uh, creating your own song and singing it. So, Whatever. Uh, it, so you know, it, it's just a matter of how, how do you get them to, to listen, pay attention. And, and realistically, I think it's got to be those kind of live, it, for lack of a better term, that live drill. And that's what this phishing, phishing emails are. This phishing test is a live scenario. You know, it's real. It's legit. Um, yep. It's actionable. I think um, to take it another step forward, I would love for someone to come out with a product. And if it's out there, let me know where it can simulate a ransom attack. Because I know we have people that would fall for an email that would do that. I would love to be able to, to, to simulate that type of, of an event. Um, it would be, I think, hard to pull off. You'd have to do it on the right kind of day to not impact instruction. Um, but, I, man, if you, could, if you could do a real live event, because think about it. We, we do shooter, we do active shooter training. Why can't we do active cyber threat training? I, I think that's a legitimate, that's the next step. That sounds... I mean, yeah, I guess I agree. Why don't you go first? Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I'd do it. Yeah, absolutely. Do um, you have anything else you want to talk about today? Yeah, let's get into this really quick. So, so talking about security still, uh, I thought we might do a quick segment, maybe each time or whatever, where we try to quick banter about some kind of security policy. So let's talk okay. about this. Minimum password complexity for faculty and staff. Oh, what man. would you say? So for years and years and years, the thing was minimum, you know, eight characters must have, must be complex, you know, upper, lower, special number. Um, I think it was last, last year, um, last year, a year and a half, NIST came out with the new recommendations, um, the national, I, is it? I don't remember what their acronym stands for, um, but they came out with the new standards for passwords, and it was um, minimum, I think, of 10 characters. Uh, they must be checked against rainbow tables or, you know, quote-unquote breached password uh, re releases, um, and you don't have to reset every 90 days. You can, you can, as long as they meet that requirement, you could say only reset if a breach is suspected. So we kind of went down that road. We, we went with okay. a a uh, minimum, I think, 13 character, 15 character, something like that password. Um, and we're checking it with Azure with exposed passwords. And we only reset if there's been a breach. Our teachers love, love it because there's no more 90-day reset. Our password reset requests have gone down drastically um, because of it. You know, now we're only really, really seeing it after Christmas break or after summer break when people can't remember. Um, with 90 days, it was constant. So what are when, you guys doing? When, when you say that, is that just like their AD password or is that Google too? Like what, how many? Yeah, passwords? just their AD. Okay. We, yeah. Do you do anything with Google right now? Uh, it's longer. It's uh, not complex, but now with Chrome um, checking passwords real time to see if they've been exposed, that, that threat's kind of lower as well. Okay. So I think we're still a little old. Well, we this is what we do. We're we're still at the whole eight character with 
you know, three or four security complexity thing. And then we force annually for them to change. Okay. And, 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 and we actually do that during that November technology security awareness month. Uh, and it's a crazy day, but we pick a day where we make them change their windows, Google and sys password. Oh, wow. So on that day, we just know that we're probably going to just sit in our office and help people. Uh, but we've done that for two years now and we make it. Interesting. So you're force expiring everything on one day. Yes. Which is, and, and, and then after that, you know, it starts to stagger, you know, when yeah. new employees come in or whatever, but that's for sure a day that everything's been changed. Interesting. Do you see a time where you will up your uh, length requirement? I think so. And, and even like, like you said, ditch the complexity stuff. Yeah. Cause I even heard because, somewhere you know, it was like, it was like 15, you said 10. I, I, I know I've heard before where they say like 15 characters, just whatever, like you're going to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there's that website, uh, use a passphrase.com I think is the website. I tell you what, man, you can go to that website and type in your password and it will tell you the estimated days or estimated time of cracking. And, you know, it, this sounds rudimentary to an IT person, but really, really, when you go from that eight character to a, a 12 character, 13 character, 14 character password, if you're doing it right and you're using a passphrase and maybe you sprinkle in a space every once in a while, the days to crack are year. It, it, it's unbelievable. We've, I had one teacher that was bragging and, and sent me a screenshot and it said 89 years to crack. It's like, that's holy funny. cow, that's awesome. So, and that's, that's one of those things too, where you, you need to celebrate that win. I sent that teacher back an email and said, man, that's awesome. Yep. That's a really good password. You know, you gotta more or less thank them for, for doing what they need to be doing and listening to you. Cause like yep. you said, how, how often are you really getting listened to? I dig it. All right. I think that's a lot. We've talked about a lot, Chris. I know. Episode two, knock it out of the park, man. Yeah. And all you listeners, please feel free to share with your, uh, with your cohorts and your regions or in your state. If you get a state message board or email list that, that everyone subscribes to, please uh, send us out there. That's um, that Corey from Oklahoma. That's where he said he saw it on a, the message board in Oklahoma someone had posted it on there. So that's crazy. Um, it's great. And then our sponsor, Midwest tech talk, that's, uh, that's the goal there too, is to get a bunch of people from, from the surrounding States of Missouri. It's at the beautiful Lake of the Ozarks in uh, the middle of July and uh, go to the website for more information, but it's a really good time. It's purely a technical conference. Um, you're not going to see ed tech sessions. You're not going to see how to use a smart board. You're going to see, VLANing 101. You're going to see ACLs 101. You're going to see VMware stuff. You're going to see um, a school district in St. Louis that just rolled out uh, VDI, virtual desktop environment, to all their all their students so they can use Windows environments off their Chromebooks. Spent a ton of money doing that, um, but I think Julian's presenting on that. So it is a when I say technical conference, it, it is a technical conference. No teachers so, allowed. Yeah, no teachers. Teachers allowed, right? I mean, if they wanted to come, we wouldn't keep them out, but they don't get to ask any silly questions. Um, so I guess that's a wrap for episode two, right, buddy? Love it. All right. Sounds good.